Have you ever wondered about narcissism and if you're in a narcissistic relationship? In episode number 78, I have my good friend Vicki Lynn back on the podcast to help us learn what are some of the signs or red flags associated with narcissistic behavior. What is trauma bonding? And what are the emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical ramifications of being involved with a narcissist? You know, we want to help you or someone you know make informed decisions about how to best protect yourself in these situations, how to get help and steps towards healing. So would you share this episode? Once you're done listening, please share this episode with a friend or family member. This is such an important topic and we're becoming much more aware of all the narcissistic behavior in our society. And I want to help people with practical tools and help so that they can thrive and not be stuck. So please share this on your favorite platform. As always, I will have the show notes with Vicki's contact information, and you can always contact me at Lori at LoriKSnyder.com. All right, here we go. Welcome to Created to Thrive. I'm your host, Lori Snyder. If you desire a deeper connection with God, want to know your value and purpose, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I will teach God's word in a simple and practical way to equip and empower you to become who he created you to be because you were created to thrive. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. All right, my friends, I have back on the podcast today, my good friend, Vicki Lynn, and she and I recorded episode number 62, which is how to recognize and navigate difficult or toxic relationships. And what we're going to do today is really expand upon that and get more specific on narcissism. And Vicki Lynn is the founder of the Survivor Center where she equips and empowers women who are forced to share custody with an abusive or narcissistic ex-husband or partner. She is a Jesus-loving woman, and she is a survivor herself of 25 years of narcissistic abuse. So I really wanted her to come on and really share her insights to help you, one, be aware recognize some signs, and then also how do you navigate through and experience healing as well? So welcome, Vicki. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So I am just going to let you share whatever you want to share because you are so knowledgeable in this topic and it's become such a prevalent topic that I don't think a lot of times we're aware of what it even entails. So Take it away. Well, it's so funny because I think the the word of the year, according to some entity last year, was narcissism. Oh. So it is a very popular topic. It, um, it is a word that is often thrown around by people 
who are just upset with someone who might, you know, they might be in conflict with, but truly a narcissistic personality or person is someone who really seeks to destroy uh, the personhood, the worth and the value of another person. So um, if a narcissist existed by themselves, no problem, no harm, no foul, but it's when we're in relationship with them that that is when they become toxic and harmful to the other person. So some things to, um, some things to like as red flags. Okay. We talk about red flags a lot in relationships, but in situations, and this could be a relationship of you and someone in your family could be you and a spouse or you and a friend or you and a boss. There's all sorts of ways that we could be in these types of narcissistic relationships. And so the common behavior that would really tip somebody off, at least to start checking off red flags. One would be that you really don't think you can trust this person because they have lied more than once and you know that for certain. Okay, so lying, first red flag. Another red flag would be gaslighting, which is a similar form of form of lying, where they tell you something that's a form of the truth, but your truth is that's not how it happened. And it's a, it's different than a perspective shift. Everyone has their own perspective, but this is different. This is the sky is blue and they say the sky is green and they will do anything and everything to convince you that the sky is really green and they really believe it. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, in doing that gaslighting, they are really attempting to control you. That's the thing. They're not just doing it because they have a different opinion. They're trying to control you in some way because ultimately narcissists feel out of control internally. And so they seek to control all the different areas of their life, especially in relationships. And another red flag, I mean, we could talk for like three hours on this, but another huge red flag would be that they are extremely critical of you or of your kids. And not just wanting the best for your kids, you know, and trying to help them have a level of excellence. No, they are extremely critical and saying things often to you or to your children that something's wrong with you or wrong with them. Not a behavior needs to change or improve. No, something's wrong with you. And so an example, an example in my life was uh, the ex-husband used to tell me that something was wrong with my strength, my strength of character, my strength of, you know, spirit and determination and all those kinds of things. Something was wrong with that. It wasn't feminine and it wasn't desirable. And at all costs, I should be meek, quiet, um, and submissive to him. And the irony is here we are, and I'm utilizing my God-given strength of, you know, of character and voice and all the things to help other women and other people. There's a lot right there. We could dig into one, you know, each one of, of those areas of red flags. Um, what I'm hearing you say the most is how it's a devaluing. It's not just a selfish behavior that they're exhibiting. It's the fact that the devaluing of your character, of your personhood, to make you feel like you are nothing and that they are up here and you are down there. Um, How does that work, especially for the Christian woman 
that perhaps has been told we are to submit to our husband unto the Lord is what the scripture says, <laughs> but how does that keep a person in thinking it is wrong with her or him perhaps, because narcissism is not just with men. It is with women. And I think especially we had talked about that with the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case that really became much more public awareness of, oh, wow, women have this. Men do, too, obviously. But so what would you say to the woman that especially with the Christian belief that um, they're to submit? Can you talk about that? Yeah, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, right there. I know. Right there. Um, but what I would say briefly now is for if a woman is being told that she should submit to her husband and she believes he might be abusive or you know emotionally abusive, verbally, or any other way, uh, that she, I would encourage her to research the entire scripture, not just that one line about wives submit to your husbands dig and research into commentary about the entire passage, which also then says that husbands are supposed to be, like you said, submissive to the Lord and treating, uh, you know, treating her, their wives, like Jesus treats the church. Like there's a whole thing there. And it is yes. not just that submissive line. And if, a, if a husband, I'm just going to say this, cause we're talking about this specific thing. If a husband is using that again and again and again on a woman, and they're married, that is a massive red flag, massive, that, that, that there's some imbalance of power there and that, you know, that that should be something that she should dig into and perhaps talk to a trusted friend. Um, or, and certainly she can reach out to me as well, but something where she needs to dig into that because that's not the whole truth. That's not the whole thing. Correct. And as my husband has said, yeah, husbands are supposed to die for their wives as Christ died for his bride. And that's not really talked about. So I just know that that gets used and and there's this conflict, what I have found, because I, as we talked about in the last podcast we did, I've probably walked through at least 13 to 15 different relationships with women that were married to narcissistic men and felt so trapped. They did not know how to get out and they were condemning themselves because of that verse right there. I need to be submissive because he's my husband. And, but they don't recognize not just the, the emotional and mental abuse, but the spiritual abuse that is happening as well. Can you dig more into that? Because I think that that's something that we don't even recognize narcissism in the spiritual placating and bypassing. So talk on that. So what I would say to that, first of all, is if a woman is listening to this right now or a man, either way. Okay. And they are truly a born again believer. So they have received the Holy spirit. That means that the counselor lives in us. Right. And that means, and Jesus said, the counsel counselor will remind you of all things that he has taught and more. Okay. So if, if you are married and feeling like a husband or a wife is using the Bible in any way to keep you in a place that you feel less than you feel trapped, you feel scared for yourself or your kids, 
then I'm going to encourage you that that is the Holy Spirit that is speaking out to you, that's telling you, red flag, something's wrong. I need you to dive further into this. So that could be an indicator of spiritual abuse that you feel like, well, I can't go to my church because they're going to condemn me. I can't talk to my husband because he believes, you know, X, Y, and Z. And he always uses these different verses to tell me to be quiet or to tell me to submit or follow him or whatever it is, red flags all over. And again, the best thing I can say about that, because that's a whole other podcast that we could go into about (laughs) spiritual abuse, um, is that again, if you have received the Holy Spirit, then God lives in you and he is the counselor. He is the person that's going to guide you. So that could be, you feel this tension in your chest. You feel this knot in your stomach as your husband or wife is using the Bible or talking about it Mm -hmm. uh, and, or a pastor is talking to you about it. And it just doesn't feel right. doesn't settle correctly. Mm -hmm. That's the indicator. That's so important. And yeah, we could totally do another podcast on that because my experience has been with several of now my experience was with women because that's who I I coach and mentor. Um, They were having narcissistic spiritual abuse, not just from their husband, but then when they would try to go to church leaders or pastors Pastors too would believe the husband and use those same scriptures would just say, oh, you just need to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did not, they, what happens is it shuts down conversation, devalues and minimizes their experience and makes them think they're crazy, which from what I've learned from you is really the narcissist tendency of our goal is to think, especially with the gaslighting. Yeah. You're crazy. It's all you, you're the problem. Yeah. hundred percent. And I had that experience where, um, I had my daughter and I, I use the word escaped. Okay. We escaped for the second and last time. Um, and, um, my ex-spouse convinced me to go to the church just to, for like one last ditch effort. And I went just to appease him and just sort of like check the box. Cause I knew I felt, uh, God was very clear that I was actually by staying, I was actually, uh, like a partner to sin. I was because I was, you know, condoning the abuse of my daughter at the minimum by staying. So I felt convinced, convicted that I was to leave, but I went to this uh, meeting with a pastoral counselor, the ex-husband. And after I ex- described just a few incidences of spiritual, emotional, and physical, not, not physical where I was being hit, but physical in other ways, which that's another topic. When I described those, they still sat there and said, could you go back and make it work? Could you go back and forgive? And I looked at them and I said, have you heard a word that I said? And do you have any experience with this? And the woman that was there, there was a woman and a man. And the woman said, yes, I do. And I said, you have no idea you are deceived. And I walked out of the meeting because, you know, but a lot of women aren't at that place when they get this type of counseling from a spiritual leader. So um, I forget what I was answering, but I just wanted to describe that because it's very prevalent in the church. Uh, Not only that narcissism is prevalent in the church as far as leaders and pastors and think about it because we tend to put them on pedestals, which is not helping. But ultimately, I mean, ultimately, the best thing I can say to a woman or man is God 
is the ultimate, you know, voice and he's the ultimate in everything, not your pastor and not your husband. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's true or not your wife. It's God. He's the ultimate authority. Yeah. We have been, because we've moved so much, we've been involved in a lot of different churches and at different levels, uh, depending on our involvement. But we've actually been to a couple of different churches where they were saying we had to submit to the pastor's authority and we had to go, every decision that we were making in our marriage and our household had to go through the pastor. I mean, we've had some crazy stuff of lording over us. And then we got shamed when we had moved and we hadn't found a church. Then we were shamed with, you don't have a covering, you're out of order. And I would just say, where is that in the Bible? And who was Paul's covering? Jesus. Jesus is my covering. Yes, we're to be part of a local body. It's so important, but not if it's not healthy, because it does so much damage. And I think we can get off on, on a, that topic later, but that's a whole another, like you were saying, the spiritual abuse, because the masks, the facades, that religion poses and it's so sad and it's so hurtful and damaging. And it's no wonder why so many people have unfortunately left the church because they weren't validated. And and in all fairness to pastors and and, um, leadership, they're not trained to be trauma-informed. They're not trained to deal with narcissistic behavior. So they don't recognize it and they don't have the tools professionally to equip. So what they do is they spiritually placate and throw some scriptures on there to try and say, do the word, believe the word, but your heart isn't being ministered to, and you're not giving the the tools. So, right. Yes. Yes. And scripture that comes to mind that is often used by pastors as well. And again, I agree with you. There's a lot of, um, not only education and training that they, a lot of pastors and leaders need spiritual leaders need, but I also believe they, they need to seek spiritual discernment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the, the, one of the phrases, uh, sorry, the scripture that comes to mind is Malachi too. God hates divorce <laughs> all over the place. God hates divorce. God hates divorce. Of course he does because he didn't intend for divorce to be the ultimate representation of a man and woman coming together and procreating. No, of course he hates it, Correct. but there's a, Again, that's another thing that if you are hearing that, that you, I would encourage you to look up someone named Patrick Weaver and his ministries. He gets very, very um, deep into that scripture specifically and will equip you to be able to really understand the intention and and the historical uh, context of that scripture so that it cannot be used against you to keep you in a place that is unsafe emotionally, spiritually, or physically. And it's so important. And I know it's a touchy subject. And, but first of all, before I go on, I just want to say, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. And I wanted to say that earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow. Um, I'm just, it just grieves me that you have had to go through all that you've gone through. And so I'm just one, I'm so sad to hear and get to know, as I get to know you more, hear the the stories of, of all the hurt and the pain that you have endured. Um, but Jesus, right? Like, I don't know how you could get through it without Jesus, because he's the only one that truly knows the depth of your pain and suffering and the rejection and all of the emotion. So, um, 
I just say, I want to champion you and thank you for being so bold to turn your pain and your trials into equipping and helping others really see a way through to know they're not crazy. They're not alone. And there is support. There is help in healing. And, um, since we're given that, why don't they, why don't you just share, how can people get in touch with you if they are in a, let's say they're co-parenting with a narcissistic, you deal specifically with ex partners or ex husbands or, um, but how would they get in touch? How would the best way for them to get in touch with you? Thank you. Um, so yes, uh, I work with women who are out of the situation. So, and most of them are co-parenting or sharing custody with their uh, former abuser. <clears throat> so my website is the survivorcenter.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me. You just send me a message there. Um, or on Instagram, it's at the survivor center. There's just um, underscores in between those three words. <clears throat> but if they are, I would encourage if you are in a talk, um, toxic or abusive or unsafe relationship right now, and you're not sure you've gone to your pastors and you haven't gotten, uh, or friends and family, and you haven't gotten the support that you desire or need, then I would encourage you to call the domestic violence hotline, which is 1-800-799-SAFE-7233. And they can help you uh, just to understand um, maybe more of the dynamic and or help you uh, get in touch with local resources or make safe plans to leave. Yeah, thank you for that. And I will have all of that in the details of the, the episode. And going back to, I'm a sprinkler, so I do come back to what we were talking about when you said God hates divorce, because I've heard that so many times. And I will say, God hates abuse. God hates yes. anything that devalues someone yeah. because we are created in his image and his likeness to have dominion here on the earth. And whether you're married or not, you need to get help to see this is not God's plan that you would be so diminished to think that you are nothing. And I know some have even gotten to the point where they're suicidal because life would be better if they just weren't even there. So definitely reach out to that hotline because there is hope and healing available. How would you say, um, Vicki, what are some steps towards the healing process? And before I go on to that, you said something important. You said you deal with people who are not in relationship with their ex-narcissist um, person. What I have found in, in coaching people, if you work with them while they're still in it, the work that you do to help them and equip them, then they go back to that partner and then they just get all of that undone and it, they don't have the progress. Can you speak on that for just a little bit, just the importance of a separation time or what they should do in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, People who are caught in, it's called trauma bonding. That's the term where, um, you know, it's the cycle of a toxic relationship. You have something that happens that's, you know, either egregious or violent or just super scary or upsetting. And that's the incident. And then you go into this lull and then maybe the person, the other person apologizes or says they won't do it again, or let's work on our marriage or whatever it is. And then you have hope. 
and you come back around and then something else happens and you go. So it's like a roller coaster up and down. It's almost like, to me, it reminds me of the muscles in our body when we're either doing um, exercising, you know, the muscles like contract and then release, contract and release. And that's exactly what this toxic relationship cycle is like. So oftentimes women or men will seek help and they'll hear the truth from someone that really understands and, and knows it, or even biblical truth about the situation, but then they'll go back and the other person is so good and they seem, you know, repentant and everything's great. And they, and what it is, is that people really hope they just have this deep desire, like their heart's desire is usually for a whole family, you know, to heal whatever traumas they may have had as children and, and that their children are going to thrive. And they have this desire, this dream for this beautiful life, because again, that's, you know, God's um, vision and dream for marriage is, is that right. <clears throat> and so that will keep them going back and back and back and back. Um, and that's why I, I can't help a lot of people in that situation because they have to, I feel like they have to come to the end of themselves where they surrender their marriage, their lives, their children to God. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I feel like you get your ego in some ways, whatever, however you want to say it moved out of the way. So then God can move. Yeah. 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 There definitely is. And in, in that time of whether it's, it's just a separation or something to, there has to have healing, but if you're in it all the time, you, you can't see straight. And then it just, exactly. yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes. So we used to say like we meeting me and other women that I've worked with, we say when we were in the situation in the day-to-day -day situation, there's this fog mm -hmm. and not only just literally across your eyes for what you're seeing, but a fog in your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and I used to feel it almost like a fog in my chest. There's this whole darkness, mm -hmm. uh, throughout our being because it is, it is a darkness. Um, it's a spirit of confusion. It's, you know, it's all sorts of things that we don't have time to go into, but yeah. it is. And so the time of separation in the Bible, the Bible, I forget what the verse is, but it does support a time of separation for mm -hmm. people who are married. If there's, you know, issues that cannot be resolved, especially something of this level yeah. to this level of, of, of type of abuse, yeah. uh, because it does allow you to see things clearly. And, um, I think it also just allows, again, the Holy Spirit to, you can hear him. You can hear where you can't hear it when you are just day-to-day -day survival mode. And you're in it. Correct. And, and I can speak personally to this, even though my husband was not narcissistic and I was not narcissistic, but we were just broken, selfish people um, that had self-hatred basically towards each other or towards ourselves and then towards each other. But it was only when we were separated. Could we really, and I always say I had to come to the end of myself to truly find the beginning of the Lord and have that journey with him to know him and then learn what he says about me. I had to learn to be a daughter before mm -hmm. I could be a wife, a mother, a sister even, you know? And so, um, that was just a time, a time out to really get clarity to really discover the skills that I needed to be able to heal and then learn relationship skills. I remember asking my counselor, like, I don't even know what questions to ask. I don't even know how to navigate this. And we weren't even talking about narcissism. That's like a whole nother level. But I just know that that time of clarity 
really the Lord was then able to do a work in my heart, able to do a work in his heart, and then we would reconcile. And then that began a whole another journey process as well, where we needed professional help because we didn't know how to navigate that. And we couldn't just quote scriptures, or we couldn't just do the word as it's told because it's a heart issue. There's so much of the limiting beliefs and in the negative mindsets that we had to uncover. Yes, a hundred percent. I understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord worked in that way in both of your hearts for you to come back together because it's a beautiful example and what people need to hear and understand and learn how to do as well. So thank you guys for being brave to do that for yourselves and your family, but then, you know, to share about it too. And a similar situation occurs um, for someone who has been abused. Mm -hmm. I went to the scriptures, not to do the word, like you were saying, where it's sort of like a pat answer and kind of a a contrite uh, solution. I went to the scriptures to say, who does God say I am? Because what I'm hearing in my head, the voices from my childhood and from the ex-husband that now is my voice condemning myself. This is not of God. There's, this is not God's voice. So what does he, what does he say about me? And I, I made that a real, um, intentional study Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, I think that's like ongoing forever. You know, we always want to learn more about it, but very, very, very key for someone who has been in any kind of abusive situation to learn what God says about them. And then that leads to God's promises for your life over your life and your children's lives. If you have children, and then that's where like the hope, you know, like you can see this ray of hope come from that because I, I remember, um, people would help me out when I was a struggling single mom and, and I was sharing custody at the time with the ex-husband and people would help me out. They might come fill my refrigerator with groceries or things like that. And they would come out of nowhere. And I always felt so unworthy of that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I would cry. I would feel so unworthy. Like this is, I don't, I feel guilty because I know that I've done things wrong in my past. I know I've squandered money, like, you know, that kind of thing. And I got to the point where same thing, I came to the end of myself and I said, okay, God, if you think I'm worthy of this. I'm going to borrow that belief, your belief. And then like, that's how I started on that trajectory is, okay, it's, you know, I need to learn the truth about who I am and how he created me and what he's created me to do. Yeah. That's so important. And I always, I had to learn, I think every woman has to learn about being worthy because we tend to think that we're not, and we have a hard time receiving. And I learned a very humbling um, lesson when I was like refusing help and care. And someone said, Lori, when you refuse to receive, you actually block me of being blessed. And I said, okay, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And we have to learn how to humbly receive, but see, that's God's grace. We get what Jesus deserved. It doesn't make sense. He got what we deserved. And we get what he deserved his through his obedience, through faith, we put our trust and belief in him. And it is a process of that, um, renewing of the mind, but not just quoting scripture and memorizing scripture, but allowing our heart to receive what we truly do need. And only the Lord can do that, but he's going to work through people. We just think it's going to miraculously poof happen. No, he works through people because that's how he set it up. (laughs) 
Right. Right. And he built us for relationship. Right. And so when you've had just speaking from a, a marriage, when you've had, you know, the most um, important other than your parent, maybe relationship, but your most important relationship has maybe you think it's failed. Maybe you think, um, you know, it was a waste of time, uh, whatever you think about it. That is a huge open door, like you're saying, for God to work. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in you and through you. And one of the things that drives me daily to, cause sometimes, you know, sometimes it feels heavy to do this work. Sometimes it feels heavy to coach women who their kids are suffering. That's a huge thing. I and mean, that's another podcast <laughs> for another time. But yeah. um, what gets me to do this is that I know that God has a future and a hope in store for every woman that comes to me that needs help and her children, because he promised that to all of us. And that's a promise I clung to from Jeremiah for years when I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And so it is to, you know, ending abuse in our lineage is a huge reason uh, for us to dig into the scriptures that we're talking about on the podcast, reach out for some help if needed and, um, you know, doing it for our future generations. Yeah. Yeah. And to really a component of that is when you pray to actually break off the negative fruit of your genealogy or lineage so that um, the generational stuff doesn't continue, whether there's been patterns in your life or the life of, you know, your spouse for your kids so that um, they can have a a new foundation, so to speak. So um, there's just so much to this and it's never a formula. Um, but I think a key point, and, and I was reminded of a scripture um, of Genesis 12, when God calls Abraham to separate, well, he was Abram at that point to separate himself from the land, from the family, from the familiar to go to the place he was going to show him. So it was a journey and then what he got there was relationship with God because he didn't have a relationship with God and wasn't his heritage even. There were moon worshipers. And so, um, but the beautiful thing is, is God is a God of restoration, of redemption and making all things new. And through Abraham, through a journey, and he didn't even do it right, but the fact that he was blessed and covenant was cut through him and the promises and all of that is exactly what you're talking about. But there had to be a time of separating yourself from what's going on, what your situation, because your situation is always going to look bigger than God, right? So to make God bigger than your situation, but you have to be intentional is what I'm hearing you say too, to really value yourself enough to say, I cannot let this continue for me or my children. Right. Right. And first of all, it's encouraging that he didn't do it, you know, perfectly. That gives us hope because we're not perfect. Right. Um, And I think for a lot of people and I'll, I'll say people, but I, you know, I work with women predominantly. So for a lot of us who don't feel worthy, who are in an abusive or narcissistic relationship. And again, this could be a parent and even an adult, you know, child, Okay. Right. Cause I had this with my dad, um, <clears throat> that we might not. So you say, you know, value yourself enough to be intentional and do the work, but most people don't hear that or it doesn't resonate. 
So for me, it resonated when my child came into this world. And for whatever reason, she was the catalyst. She was the catalyst. And, you know, all the healing that I've done and digging into my worth that came after, but she's the one that, you know, sparked the change, sparked taking action. That's good. And because a lot of people will say, okay, well, you know, you know, heal yourself and self-care and this is to a trauma survivor that just goes like over our head. Oh, good. To like, know. What is that? We don't even understand what that means. You know? So a lot of times it's, if you're doing something for your children, then it can start to, you know, um, impact your life in the best way. And then everyone is healed. It's good. God is good. No, that is good. That's a great point. So I, and, and again, it's a creating an awareness because if you haven't gone through a situation, you're not even aware of it. So by creating awareness, maybe you're not going through it, but I guarantee you, you know, someone that is, that happens to me all the time. Like all of a sudden there's someone and it's like, I want to have a tool. I want to have a resource to be able to point someone in the direction to say, go have a discussion here or reach out or have, you know, some type of connection there. So, um, is there anything else that you want to share before we end this day? Cause we could talk forever, but yes, in light of time. Uh, well, one thing that came to mind and I'm just going to believe that the Holy spirit wants me to say this <clears throat> because this happened to me just the other day is sometimes people that have, you know, survived this type of trauma will feel like, well, where was God? You know, oh. where was God while I was being abused? Where was God? Even where's God right now? If they're sharing custody with someone who's abusing their children, where is he? How can he allow this to keep happening or feeling guilty because they got away, but their children still have to deal with it. Right. So there's a lot of different things like that. And just the other day, I was remembering a time I was rereading an old journal uh, and during a rough time in this situation. <clears throat> and I remember feeling that Jesus was saying to me, I was there with you. I was there with you the whole time. And it's like, it's, and so I would encourage anyone that's going through that, that's questioning where was God or where is God? He's there. And I would encourage you also to envision that Jesus is standing next to your children and he is protecting them. Um, even if it doesn't feel like it is, but he, he is, he's there. Yeah. He's a very present help in trouble. So if that promise is true, then it's true for me. It's true for you. Yeah. That's so important. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I do believe it is a good word because that is something that does come up a lot and we just have to um, know God's character. We have to know his nature and he's the only one that we can go to because he's the only one that can supersede the natural <laughs> and give you that that grace and that peace that no matter what you're going through, you're going through and he's there to help you, but right. we need to have the support as well as you were talking about. So people can reach you at the survivorcenter.com. I do love your Instagram posts, even though I don't, you know, identify with the narcissism and so forth, but um, I just love the fact that you are empowering people to be aware. You're giving them tools. You're going, you're giving them help, but you're giving them the truth. And so thank you for all of that and what you do. And just really um, you're just an example of someone that is resilient, that has bounced back from life's difficulties because hurting people hurt people and broken people break people. 
but you chose not to stay broken. So thank you. Thank you. I, I do believe it is by God's grace only. And I used to hear people say that and I thought, well, that sounds like contrite, but no, it really is through his grace. Uh, and I have this, I have this verse up here. It's Isaiah 61, three beauty from ashes. Um, that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. Again, if he, if he heals one of us, he wants to heal all of us in whatever way that that looks right in his will and his, how his kingdom would then be represented here on earth through you and your story. So, yeah. 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 And I know we hear those, these close, I don't want to be the cliche, but I hear, we hear them. We're like, oh yeah, I check out. Cause I heard it so much and I'm not trying to do that, but yeah. there's truth in it. And so that's what we're, we're trying to do. And, and Jesus meets people where they're at and that's what I love. And so, yeah. all right, well, thank you, my friend. And do, would you just pray for the person yeah. that is struggling right now? Father God, we are so grateful to have this opportunity to pray and speak into and over a person who is listening right now who needs you. Lord, we ask that you give clarity where there is confusion. We ask that you give peace where there is uh, just a struggle. And Jesus, we ask that you would um, literally move in such a way right now in this person's life, even in this moment that they would know undeniably that it is you that loves them, that cares for them and or their children, and that you promise to give them a future and a hope no matter what they are facing. Lord, we just ask that you would move in a mighty way in their life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Vicki. And again, reach out to you because you offer great support. And so the person that is going through what you're talking about needs to have that supportive help and community. So, all right. I'm sure we'll have you back on again. So I would love to. Yeah. Until next time you were created to thrive.